All right, welcome to another episode of the Bioinformatics Lab podcast. I'm Kevin Libwit with Andrew Page. We're from Theogen, and today we're talking bioinformatics in the cloud. Not a super new topic at this point. You know, we've all, we've been adopting cloud over the past five or six years, but it's still something to a lot of people that is a big jump for their infrastructure. There's a lot of bioinformatics scientists who, for example, maybe their institution went the route of investing in an HPC and they've been stuck in an HPC, but finally their IT is maybe realizing the limits of maintaining that and even the, the compute hardware that they have. And so they're looking into the conversation of going into the cloud. So you and I both have a ton of experience in this. Did you ever, did you have that experience actually of the migration from like an HPC system into a, a cloud system where you had to make yes, those considerations yeah. in your lab? So uh, we were on like a, you know, your classic physics cluster where, you know, giant blades and, you know, a room nice. full of uh, computers and that kind of stuff. And so when I left Quadrum, uh, that, that's exactly what we're doing. We were at that, you know, we're probably two years into transition from, um, maybe three years, uh, from that kind of traditional HPC into the cloud. And we had a, mm. an open stack, uh, so a private cloud on site. So it's it's not, you know, like when we talk about cloud, we're probably talking about public cloud like Amazon or, or Google uh, or Azure. But that, you know, if you move into any of those clouds, it's as easy to do one as it is to do the other. You know, it's breaking that link from having a computer under your desk, you know, high powered server under your desk or or in, in a room beside you and moving into, you know, something a bit more modern and where you can utilize resources in a very different way. Like, you know, you can overcommit, say, CPUs, so you can get a lot more out of the resources you have, because often, you know, you'll, you'll run a job on a traditional HPC and you ask for resources, but you don't necessarily need them. Or maybe, you know, you're you're using half the resources you required at a particular point in time because you're waiting for some I.O. or downloading something. And the ability to be able to actually make full use of those uh, physical resources by, you know, overloading something and swapping something in and out actually is, is quite useful. So yeah, I've seen that transition. It's hard because you need to do fundamentally different things. It's different software, different everything, but it works. But was there a lot of buy-in from the get-go from your IT of like, all right, we're going to make the cloud jump? Because I think what we see a lot in public health is a ton of resistance of, hey, that is really new to us. We know we have sysadmins who know how to you know, administer the security and robustness of our on-prem services. What the heck is cloud and why are you asking me to move everything uh, up there did you guys experience that same friction point there was but uh, initially but actually because it was on-prem cloud it meant mm. that you know the same people were the ones running it so it wasn't like any staff were, were being lost or any of that it was just there is a, a different way of working and it gave us more freedom as well and you know obviously there's complexities with these things you know and uh, changing um, firewalls and all that kind of stuff, but actually it worked out pretty well because it moved a lot of administration from, say, the core IT to uh, to the research groups, to the, the core research groups, which meant that we had more control. We could have root on uh, VMs, things like that. And But it was done on the assumption that if something went wrong, it was your problem, not kind of the, <laughs> the core IT's problem, which, yeah. you know, it was actually fine. And we got buy-in simply because... I didn't buy as much resources as uh, as people needed. On the old HPC, I bought a teeny tiny bit. And yeah. then it was like a huge, huge amount on the uh, on the cloud. So if you needed resources, you had to use OpenStack. You had to use the cloud, yeah. um, which was uh, very good for encouraging people. But also what we did was we installed Galaxy, 
mm. um, which is like a workflow manager, kind of point and click. And so that allowed people to, you know, they, they didn't care where they ran this stuff. It would just be Galaxy was running it for them through a website and they point and click to upload some samples or um, we're using Irida actually um, for yeah. doing data management of samples. So samples would come from the sequencers into Irida, which would store the raw data. And then they'd click and add stuff to the shopping cart. I would run some analysis to go into Galaxy and then they could run some pipelines. Um, different to Terra, um, it's more aimed at, I guess, the researchers who want to be able to, you know, fiddle with everything, you know, and drag and drop um, workflows and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it gets people there in the end, and that was the motivator, and they didn't care where stuff ran as long as it ran. It, but in really similar um, concept to Terra in that it provides some end users a graphic user interface with an access to both the workflows and then like you said this cloud compute backend that was you know inherently scalable yeah and then i guess one of the big things about the cloud is right if you have to buy stuff in a university uh mm -hmm. it can take a long time you know you ask for money it might take six months to get the money through the door then you ask for um you know, to go and buy stuff at that point. And then that's maybe another six or 12 months, you know, by the time it goes through procurement, because these are, you know, big, big bags of money. So you have to go out to tender, you have to, you know, go through all these processes, you have to get stuff delivered on the site on trucks, someone has to physically come in and connect up wires, then you have to do the software setup and installs. And that just takes a long time. So you know, the, the actual end to end can be year and a half, two years from when you decide, yes, I want to do something to, or I need resources to actually having it there ready to go. Yeah. And added, an added point to, of complexity to that is you have this maybe bolus of funding in front of you and you're kind of asked to predict the future a little bit of how much is the maximum compute you'll need for maybe the next five or 10 years or something like that. And yeah. it's just like, okay, let's just go as big as I possibly can. And what we've seen too over the next couple of uh, or the past couple of years is the sequencing volume's gone only up in, in the, the the number of samples and specimen people are analyzing. So I don't know that many people would have been able to budget or allocate. Like they, these are the number of resources I need. I know I'm going to need for the next five or 10 years because yeah. once you put that HPC system, you are like limited by the physical constraints of what you've bought, you know, and uh, that becomes a, a an issue, you know? Well, that's, that's what I had to do uh, on a number of occasions is estimate what we need in five years' time. So you buy stuff now, today for what you expect to need in five years' time, mm -hmm. which is insane because, you know, everything is more expensive and you know, or is cheaper in five years' time. It's slower. It's whatever. You know, so you got to do this kind of, you know, um, look into your crystal ball and go, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably double the amount of uh, storage we need every year. Yeah, and then you buy it now at more expensive price rather than just buying it as you go along. You can't do that, um, and it's just kind of crazy what to do. Whereas compared to the cloud, you just literally take your credit card out, and you have it now. You know, you don't wait. It's just you click the button, and there you have it. Yes, so there's a lot less friction to get it, um, and then you have at your disposal all these different resources as you need it. Obviously, dependent on the way in which you structure your system and your workflows, and being able to scale and things. Uh, but that becomes, I think, for a lot of IT departments that are looking to support this, that becomes, okay, that's the blessing to the laboratorian and the bioinformatics scientist, but that's the huge concern for the IT because that means they can scale this at will, right? And so you are trusting that their will is 
you know, guarded by good software development practices, and they are putting some level of caps <clears throat> that uh, may not be enforced otherwise, right? Because you could have a runaway job that could just spin things up. And if you're not monitoring, this is something you and I have had to do recently, make sure that we have proper cost dashboards so we can see instances of spikes. Because yeah, as things grow, as your user bases grow and things like that, egress fees might sneak up on you and yeah. cause, uh, cause uh, occasional spikes. I speak from personal experience. <laughs> like I, I've seen, uh, you know, in academic settings where like a PhD student will go and launch 100,000 jobs accidentally. Yeah. And brings in the entire cluster and whatever. But at least it's internal and someone can go, that's a bit silly, kill. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's gone. Whereas in the cloud, it might, you might go a day or two or three before people actually notice uh, and you've gone and spent vast sums of money yeah. because the resources can be limitless depending on how you do it. And so you do have to be careful, you know, uh, it, it is one of those yeah. pitfalls. It goes from that was silly, kill, all right, you've learned your lesson to now that was silly, silly kill, we owe $10,000. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's, that's our budget uh, for yeah. the conversation. But also there, there's things you can do to reduce costs on the cloud. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's very good because you don't have to capital expenditure. You don't have to hire people to run stuff. Yeah. And you get the economies of scale from, you know, if Amazon or Google buy computers, they're not paying, you know, the the price in, in the local store. They're paying like rock bottom, mm -hmm. tiny, tiny prices, and they've optimized them down to a T. Um, and yeah, so you can make use of a lot of, uh, uh, you can, optimize that at a cost. So things like spot pricing, as an example, that's yeah. where you say you have a short running job and if someone else needs resources, you're fine with being killed, um, which is totally fine for some things. It's not fine for other things, but you know, if you just need to, you know, have things spin up and down, you don't really care, you know, you might be doing minor little things uh, or maybe it's progressive, you know, it's progressively doing some analysis. Spot pricing can be great because it's about 90% cheaper than, uh, than yeah. kind of your yeah. dedicated uh, resources which is great. You can just slot in and out wherever you need to. Yeah. And knowing those little tips and tricks on how to do spot pricing, ensuring like your compute environment is reasonable to the task. So I'm speaking more so to the people who are using things like NextFlow or Whittle, where, you know, per analytical module, you get to define your compute environment. You can even be a little bit more dynamic in that too. Uh, if you get a bit sophisticated based on like with the data input, this is generally how much I'm going to need for memory or, uh for ram or storage even so yeah you can continuously optimize so th that is the undeniable benefit of cloud and i think across the field we're really seeing the wide adoption uh it's happening so again if we're speaking to maybe some of the listeners who are uh a little bit early career in, in their route to bioinformatics this is a skill you got to learn and maybe one question people are going to ask of like which cloud provider is the one to jump into first? Is it AWS? Is it Azure? Is it, uh, what am I missing? GCP? Uh, do you have a perspective on this? I've gotten a chance to you know dabble in all three of these, but uh, curious where your head's at on that. Yeah, so I've used AWS, GCP, and OpenStack. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be honest, they all, they all have quite similar things that they provide. And for the most part, if you're doing straightforward kind of informatics, you probably don't care about 99% of the features that are provided. Yeah. Um, yeah. Often, you know, you might just want to run some jobs, you know, you need a VM of a, you know, particular Docker image or whatever. 
to run some analysis and get the results back. You know, that that's seems straightforward and it usually is. Um, and you have higher level things like say Nextflow can actually, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what cloud is underneath or infrastructure is underneath, it'll, you know, choose the right one and uh, it'll do that kind of translation for you, use the right resources. And so for most people, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just the big jump is actually using the cloud in the first place versus not using it. And yeah. then designing software using uh, tools that allow you to use it effectively, like say Nextflow or Ortera or whatever, um, or Galaxy. So it's that mental leap from, yeah. I'd agree completely. I think for a lot of the bioinformatics side, if you're doing the bioinformatics development and software component of it, there's there all the tools that you'll need in AWS. There is an analogous resource in Azure and GCP and all the other ones in that. Those are probably those things like you have a VM, you have an ability to create a VM uh, and then something maybe that will give you some level of a server mode capability where you can in batch as an example, where you can from a VM submit a job that says, hey, I'm going to need this amount of resources for this analytical process, et cetera. And a lot of that is already sort of abstracted away whenever you're using like Whittle or Nextflow. So, so long as you get things configured, that's probably the hardest part in learning, you know, what do they call a VM here? What's a blob versus a bucket versus a whatever um, storage system in uh, across the different resources. But at that level, um, you're going to be interacting with the same kinds of systems, uh, be it EC2 instance or a GCP instance or an Azure VM or, or whatever it is there. Yeah, and it's kind of cool, but uh, there is some pitfalls as well, like that you don't have on a local system, like, oh, one time I spent a, a fortune on logging accidentally. So it was just <laughs> one, one tool, you know, was very noisy. And uh, yeah. what you don't realize is they, they give you, you know, a reasonable amount of uh, logging for free to their API. But yeah. then when you go over, they start charging it. And then, you know, if you use something that's really noisy with, you know, a yeah. lot of output, you can suddenly face a big bill. And so, you know, there's all these other extra considerations you need to, to have in there versus uh, running it on a local system. Um, but I, I think the the advantages uh, grossly outweigh the disadvantages um, because I've had to sit there waiting and waiting and waiting to physically purchase resources. And I know how difficult that is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's pretty undeniable at this point. And that's the reason, you know, across all industries and fields, you're seeing the adoption of cloud computing, not just bioinformatics. There's nothing unique necessarily in that component of like the advantages of cloud computing um, and bioinformatics versus other fields. Um, and yeah, those are those things. So those are the considerations of, you know, logging. I feel like data storage catches up with people pretty quickly as well. So understanding things like cold storage and long-term uh, things like that. And, and I do want to say one thing, just in case like, you know, there's a cloud architect that hears us talk about, hey, they're all the same Azure, AWS or whatever. Like once you get to the architect level and you're maybe, um, deploying resources for big teams or big uh, application, again, like Terra, the Azure tenant versus a GCP uh, project, that's where some of the discrepancies really come into play. And it's like, oh, GCP is not the same as Azure and is not the same as AWS. Uh, but that's more so for the system architect and the person who's administering all these resources or the application that's administering these resources. For the bioinformatics developer themselves, it's going to look pretty much the same. Yeah. And it has a great discussion, and I'm sure we could talk all day about this. As always. All right. So, yeah, we'll see everyone in the next one.